right. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast. I'm going to be starting a series of podcasts, and I'm going to have different content with different types of podcasts. I did one with my dad today and kind of do funny stories with dad. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was kind of unpack my story in terms of what happened in my life over the last couple of years. And I had a pretty significant meltdown and a lot of people have asked me about this. And I want to just kind of make a caveat here right at the beginning and, and just say that, you know, I'm going to be telling my story from my perspective. And I am aware that maybe some of you might have been hurt or disappointed in aspects of this story. And so I certainly want to ask your forgiveness and would really encourage you if you need to process that with a counselor or a therapist, I'd encourage you to do that. And just know that uh, I love you and I'm praying for you. So I appreciate you tuning in right now. And kind of the reason for this is I have bumped into over a thousand people in person over the last year and four months. I got out of rehab about uh, March of 2019 and I'm living in Kansas City. This is right by the church where I uh, was serving as pastor, senior pastor. And it's um, it's been interesting. I've bumped into several people every day for over a year. And uh, I've talked to those people. And people always want to know two things. They want to know, hey, Fred, uh, how are you doing? And they usually let me know that they've been praying for me. If I sit down with somebody and have coffee with them, they're always interested in what happened because they really haven't heard me sort of unpack the story and, and tell it. So I'm actually going to unpack the story in uh, three or four or five different pieces. So kind of short podcasts. And this first one that I'm doing deals with uh, sort of kind of the context of what happened and what led up to this meltdown. The reason why I'm doing this is I'm hoping that people can learn from this. Some of you might be able to learn from my story. It might help prevent some of you from going through a similar situation or might prevent a meltdown or it just might give you some clues on how to manage your, your life a little bit uh, in a little bit more healthy way. So um, that's kind of what I'm what I'm doing. And so so many of you might be tuning in. You don't even really know me. And if that's the case, uh, just follow me, listen to these podcasts, read my blogs and you'll you'll find out. I, I started a church in Kansas City, Missouri in 1990. I started with just a few people uh, and and it grew into several thousand people, people that I love and care for. And so I'm, I'm guessing here at the front end, a lot of the people that are tuning in are from uh, Vineyard Church, but many other people might be tuning in as well. And so my name's Fred, and uh, I'll be unpacking my story. Uh, kind of my meltdown starts way, way back, as most probably do with my childhood. I, I was kind of a nervous kid. I was the oldest child. I have three younger sisters, wonderful sisters. Uh, they are like five, six, and seven years younger than me. But uh, my parents tell me that when I was a kid growing up, I was pretty nervous. Like they'd take me out to eat and I'd get nervous at a restaurant and I wouldn't be able to eat food. I can remember being shy at school and not talking to a lot of people. I would mainly just talk to my very closest friends. And so I wasn't very outgoing. I could be nervous if I was put on the spot or made to speak in public or anything like that. So I had a lot of this kind of underlying anxiety, managed it 
uh, went through my young years without, you know, going to any psychiatrist or taking medication or anything. But, uh, in my teenage years, I ended up having an encounter with Jesus that really changed my life. And I felt called to be a pastor. And so here was a shy kid that didn't talk to many people except his own friends. And then all of a sudden I feel called to be a pastor and I was pretty driven. I, I was very goal oriented. I have, I, I've always been goal oriented. And so one of the things that I did was I started trying to learn all the skills that I needed to, to learn, to become a good pastor. And so, uh, in, in ministry, as I got into ministry, there were many things that I learned to manage. Like if you heard me speak, if you sat down next to me in a group, you would think that I was very calm and very comfortable with all of these group settings and public speaking and all that kind of stuff. But the reality was, is that I had a lot of triggers in ministry that triggered my anxiety. And so I've got a couple of journals here. I always have kept journals through the years. And this one is dated January 13th, uh, 2016, January 13th, 2016. And I was on my way to meet with my counselor and I made a journal entry. And it basically just says, I'm meeting with my counselor today at eight o'clock and I'm still taking Xanax for sleep. Now I'll talk about this in the next podcast, but I started taking Xanax for sleep in, in 2015, kind of toward the end of 2015. And at this time in January 13th, 2016, it was still working. So I, I, I wrote, it's working really well. It's nice to sleep, but I still have the same anxiety issues. And I wrote down all the different issues that were anxiety issues in my life of ministry prim primarily. Um, the first one was preaching, believe it or not. People love my preaching and, and I, I came across very natural and comfortable, but I always had this sort of performance anxiety. I would get very nervous before I preached. Once I started speaking, it would kind of flow and it came across very naturally. Like I was just sitting in your living room with you and talking, but uh, I still got a lot of anxiety over speaking, and I spoke a lot. I spoke multiple times on the weekend. I spoke during the week. I was always speaking as a pastor. Second thing was guilt. Uh, I had to manage a lot of people's expectations as the church grew to a few hundred and then to a few thousand people. There were always people putting expectations on me, and so as I interrelated those expectations as sometimes I felt like I disappointed people in their expectations. I always had a, a sense of guilt that created some underlying anxiety. Rejection was another one. People came and went in the church and there was always a revolving door. I remember one of my mentors, John Wimber said that he always felt like he was preaching at a parade. People are just coming in and going out, coming in, they're coming by and you just preaching as, you know, a snapshot in the moment, but, uh, people came and went all the time. Sometimes they'd get close. Sometimes they would leave poorly. And, uh, that was always a wear and tear, uh, as the church grew, as a, as the staff grew, as the number of volunteers grew. I mean, we had, we had lots of people on staff. We had over 2000 volunteers, uh, that always creates conflict. And so there were always conflicts going on, just working with people, not always bad things, but just conflicts that need to be resolved, need to be talked about. And I'd always get anxious about conflict. I'd always get wired and anxious and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
Another thing was money. I was always raising money for the church and I never quite got fully comfortable in my fundraising role. I, I feel like I did a good job at it, but it was just always kind of a, a bit anxious and nervous about that. And then finally, just the workload. I was a hard driving person. I worked hard, went hard, worked lots of hours. And that was my deal. I just, I just pushed myself and, and, you know, a lot of things about the ministry I really loved, but that was a set of factors that created anxiety. Now, I also wrote down in my journal, a set of factors on the home front that uh, affected my anxiety as well. But I don't want to go into that right now, but let's just say this, how my anxiety affected me in a negative way. And this is kind of what I want to talk about for a minute is I basically just didn't sleep very well. I slept on average about three hours a night for over 25 years. So I was a chronic insomniac. And uh, this started probably in my late 20s, specifically even when I started the church. And I just, uh, I just ran on a little bit of sleep. I would lay down, go to sleep at night. I'd fall right to sleep pretty quickly. Like I'd sleep for two hours, but after two hours I'd wake up. And once I was awake, it would kind of be a crapshoot as to whether or not I ever fell back to sleep again. And so here I was up at night. Sometimes I'd fall back to sleep. Sometimes I wouldn't. And what I did at night was I just read a lot. And so I was just reading constantly. I got a lot of reading done, as you can imagine. I was always working on degrees. I had one doctorate degree. I was working on a PhD degree and getting close to getting that. And so I was always reading, always studying, always working on sermons. My brain was always swirling with those kind of thoughts and those kind of ideas. And I just never could shut my brain off. And I managed pretty well with this chronic anxiety for most of my life in my thirties and my forties and even into my fifties, I did just fine. I just slept very little. I didn't take anything for it. I just got used to sleeping a little bit. I was in good shape. I was cycling in my, you know, in my forties and fifties. So I kept in really good shape and I just got by on a little bit of sleep. But it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast by uh, a guy named Travis Bradbury, and I, I want to reference this in particular. It was actually on a talk called The Power of Emotional Intelligence. So if any of you have studied leadership, I know you've come across the idea of emotional intelligence and how that's so critical. In fact, it's most it's more critical than IQ, than your, your intelligence quotient. It's EQ, your emotional quotient. And so uh, this is actually talk on emotional intelligence, but the title of it is called The Power of Emotional Intelligence. It's in a TEDx talk, UC Irvine, and you can just Google it and find it on a YouTube. And uh, Travis Bradbury talks about how insomnia is something that in an untreated condition actually affects the frontal cortex of the brain and it diminishes a person's capacity to control their emotion. So almost like drugs and alcohol affect the frontal cortex part of the brain and that's where you make decisions and that's where you govern your emotions. Insomnia functions almost in a similar fashion like drugs and alcohol 
on your brain, on your ability to control your emotions, and on your ability to make good, wise decisions. So here I was, a pastor of a church, and I had chronic anxiety, I mean chronic uh, insomnia for over uh, 25 years, and I was just functioning. I was functioning at a pretty high level. I didn't notice that I was having any kind of issues that like controlling emotions or those other things. I always had this underlying anxiety. I always wished I could shut my brain down. And as I got into my fifties, I kind of got tired of just not sleeping and it kind of started catching up with me in my mid fifties. And so that kind of is the first part of sort of this perfect storm that went into my meltdown is this whole anxiety issue, how it played on me and particularly how it kept me up at night because insomnia becomes something that I then, as you'll hear next podcast, how I then tried to start self-medicating actually went to a psychiatrist first, but then after that started trying to just self-medicate just to try to sleep. So I'll get into that next time, but kind of a takeaway right now is a few guys and gals are struggling with insomnia, realize that that's an important thing. A lot of Americans, a big chunk of our population deal with insomnia. It's a major, major problem. And sleep hygiene is huge. And so if you're wanting to make great decisions for your family, if you're a parent, you're wanting to make great decisions in relationships, if you're in a leadership role at at work or in your volunteer organization or anything like that, and you find yourself with chronic insomnia, just know that over the course of time, that that will begin to erode your ability to control your emotions in a healthy way. And it will also erode your ability to make wise and healthy decisions in all of these contexts. So I challenge you to uh, think about your sleep hygiene. And if you struggle with that, I want to challenge you to get to a good sleep expert and get some really good care and get back into good sleep patterns because it's critical for a healthy life, a healthy emotional life, healthy relational life, healthy leadership life. So I'm going to just kind of leave it at that, wrap up with that thought, this first podcast. Um, I think you'll find it interesting as I unpack the other elements to what kind of led to this big meltdown and hopefully we can learn and grow together. I know I certainly have had to learn a lot as I have walked through this. It's been some of the darkest times of my life. So thanks for tuning in and hope to uh, see you next time. Take care.